0: The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: And welcome to Disability Law Show. We are back for another kick at the can. And it's uh, John Scholes here along with Martin Willems, always here and ready to take your uh, your emails for sure and your questions a couple different ways. You can uh, you can do that going forward. Here's the number, one 855 821 5900 help at ca and brand new this website you can check it out and learn lots more you have questions it's called pocket disability ca. pocket disability ca. free and anonymous of course lots of emails and questions to get through but uh, martin you kick us off maybe with a week that was or something you've been working on before i start throwing questions at you left right and center Bell, what's uh, what's going on with you
2: Well, you know, we've had a busy week. Well, actually, say a busy two weeks. Lots of questions coming in regarding people living with uh, long COVID, struggling with long COVID, um, ongoing restrictions and limitations that prevent them from working. And lots of people asking questions about what to do when their claims are denied with long COVID. Um, It seems that the symptoms, from what I hear from people who phone us, and it's just not me, it's other lawyers in the office. Um, People report symptoms like brain fog, fatigue, memory loss, poor focus, poor concentration and lots of them um, if not all of them struggle to find answers in terms of treatment in terms of where to turn with respect to finding a doctor who is knowledgeable, because as I understand, lots of the clinics may have closed down, who we were specializing in long COVID, um, where people were being seen to some degree in person, Now there are some phone calls I suppose, or phone call appointments still available, but lots of people not sure what to do and where to turn, and then on top of that, they're finding that their disability claims are being denied. Um, I'm not saying all of them, but people phone us with denied cases, right? Or when they have a question. And basically everyone that I've spoken to with a Long COVID issue has been denied. And then we discuss what the options are. So to anybody else who's listening, if you do have a claim, a disability claim, based on Long COVID and you find that you're struggling as to how to navigate the long-term disability application process, or if you find that the insurance company has denied your claim do reach out to us because we can give you your options we can review the medical evidence that you have that your doctor submitted and the denial letter with you as to why the insurance company denied your claim remember there are lots of cases that are deemed to be what is called invisible conditions or subjective conditions where the insurance company would say we understand that you may have symptoms but all your complaints based on self-report. These are subjective complaints that you're telling your doctors about. We Mm -hmm. cannot necessarily see it on a screen or an uh, MRI or CT scan and long COVID seems to fall into that category and it even seems to be that some insurance companies take the position well you should have been improved by now, you should have recovered (laughs) by now. I'm not sure where they're getting that evidence from um, because it's such a new thing. Um, Even though it happened, I mean the, the main thing happened in 2020, but you still have people living through these issues. I understand that there are some studies out there that may say that a person, that many people do recover after a certain period of time, but many does not mean all, right? So lots of people still continue to struggle and it is very helpful, I think, to anybody out there who is living through this to at least have a discussion with somebody. We do offer free consultations, right? So we can have a discussion and explain to you what your options are because you're navigating through the dark, not having no, not having been through this before and then still struggling with having this illness and the financial stress of not having an income. And on top of that, a denial from an insurance company. So in my caseload, and I know in the caseload of my colleagues, be it in Alberta or here in BC or in Ontario, we all have long COVID cases, and we do assist clients with those types of cases or any other case. I mean, if it's been denied, speak to us and we can tell you what your options are. But specifically in the context of the week that was, lots of long COVID uh, calls coming in. And don't be shy. If you've got any questions, please reach out to us.
1: Yeah, Martin's right, that phone call again, 1-855-821-5900, or if you wanna email your questions, take the time to do that, help at disabilityrights.ca. Wanna to get to some during, uh, well, regarding, uh, you know, personal or individual policies. We we touch on this as part of a greater topic, but I wanna drill down a little bit on it, uh, Martin. What are individual policies? Who can get them, for that matter?
2: Good question, and you know, it's, it's probably time that we do start speaking about this in a bit more detail because, we do get phone calls or emails or inquiries through other media sources um, from people who have individual policies so when we speak about individual policies I understand not everybody knows what it is if you have if you're an employee at a big employer say you work for a bank uh, very likely you're going to have disability coverage through the group insurer so as a benefit part of your employment you will have coverage Not everybody does, but most people do, will have coverage through your employer, through the group policy. So that is, every person who is an employee at that employer, depending on how many hours per week they work, they will have coverage through the group policy. Then there are other people who are not employees per se. They may be self-employed, lawyers, uh, psychologists, doctors, uh, people who own their own businesses, um laborers sometimes self employed laborers like scaffolders etc they may find that they want to purchase disability coverage for themselves because they don't they're not working for an employee so they don't, don't have that coverage. So individual policies are policies that you go out as an individual. You may do it through a broker so you approach a broker and then the broker assists you in finding an insurance company to make an application to to purchase an individual policy. So who can get them? Basically, anybody can, but it, it it's more so people who are in, self-employed and or don't have other forms of coverage. So. You can go through the broker and then purchase it from an insurance company and that individual policy is a disability policy and it provides you coverage like a group policy does but you also have some benefits through a an individual policy. So it's something that you purchase, you pay the premium every month and it provides you coverage for long term disability if you were to go off work because of an illness or an injury or another condition.
1: Again, email if you prefer, help at disabilityrights.ca or call Martin anytime to discuss these matters are many more, 1-855-821-5900. Do, uh, do individual policies have the same, uh, I guess, definitions is the term you guys use as group policy?
2: So this is a good question because people would ask me often, well, my policy doesn't have this definition. So we would want to look at what the contract says. Remember, all these policies are contracts. Um, generally, they do. It may have, if we're speaking about um, own occupation versus any occupation, because that's generally the definition that we're speaking of. What does own occupation mean or regular occupation in terms of a individual policy? Many people purchase. What is called riders and I know that's the next question we will go into but Mm -hmm. the definitions would be first you have to show that you cannot perform the duties of your own occupation and then after a certain period of time you have to show that you cannot perform the duties of another occupation the difference sometimes with some of these policies is that they may many of them they may have provisions for partial disability or residual disability which means that maybe you're not entirely disabled from performing the duties of your own occupation so you may be entitled to a partial disability benefit or you may be entitled to a residual benefit which is similar to the partial one but it is they look at your income that you continue to make in a disabled state to see what your benefit amount should be for that month these are things that these are benefits i suppose that you can get through Um, individual policies some group policies not all of them Mm. some of them have partial disability as well but the definitions under the individual policy quite often if it depends on if you're a doctor you may get a very tailored policy towards what doctors do but individual policies in a general sense they have extra definitions which may provide you with extra coverage
1: Again, we're talking about uh, personal individual policies when it comes to uh, disability as well. What are the riders and how are they beneficial? There's riders, I guess, in any type of policy, but when it comes to what we talk about here on this show, what are they, Martin?
2: Riders are basically an addendum to your contract. So it's another little contract that's added to your contract, to your policy. So if you just look at a bare bones policy as an individual policy, there will be various definitions like we just discussed. There will be the own occupation phase versus the any occupation phase. So as a rider, you can purchase these. You're going to pay extra premiums for them. But one of them and the most important one in my mind would be to purchase a rider that limits the definition for total disability to that of the own occupation or the regular occupation. That means that unlike with most group policies there is no change in definition. The only thing that you will have to prove as long as you are disabled is that you cannot perform the duties of your regular occupation. It will never change to the point that you have to show you cannot work in another occupation. So that is an important rider. Other riders may be that you may be able to purchase a rider where the waiting period to get your benefit which normally under a regular policy is 119 days um, a group policy you may purchase a shorter waiting period or you may purchase a rider that extends the time frame that the policy may be or the benefit may be payable for example to the age of 70 where normally the group policies end at the age of 65 Or you may be able to purchase a rider that is called a COLA, a cost of living allowance increase, which allows you to increase your benefit every year based on the consumer price index. There are other riders as well, tailored to some specific jobs, like doctors will have specific riders, Um, other riders that may be purchased would be a future increase option which means if you have got a benefit now for $3,000 you may purchase an option that allows you to increase that benefit uh, to a certain amount of money say to $7,000 per month without having to go and prove that you are healthy enough to get that coverage. So that's called a future increase option. These are things to discuss with a broker if you were to purchase an individual policy, and it's a really good exercise to go through all those options to make sure that when you purchase the policy from the outset that you get the best coverage that you can. But again, in my mind, the most important one is to get an own occupation rider that protects you so that the insurance company cannot deny your claim at the change of definition, which they so often do with people who are covered through group policies.
1: We have so much more to cover, and we're going to get into your emails very shortly here, but... uh we'll take a short break before we do that give you a chance to, to grab a phone you want to send along an email maybe it'll appear a little later on if not it'll be on a future show for sure help at DisabilityRights.ca, and phone number for reaching out to Martin and his very skilled team anytime it could just be a chat there's no commitment there right that's one 855 we continue
0: more disability law show is coming up in just a moment hang on you're listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified guests on the program are employees of or or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: Welcome back. Disability Law Show. Love having you here with us. John Scholes and Martin Williams is doing all the heavy lifting as usual. You want to reach out to Martin anytime to discuss your matter, maybe in private. Have a more of a lengthy conversation. one 5,900 questions can also be asked anytime at help at disabilityrights.ca or the uh, website called My Disability Questions, all one word, My mydisabilityquestions.com. It's free and it's anonymous. Okay, Martin, we're in the middle of our uh, discussion before we get to emails uh, regarding personal or uh, individual policies. We are just talking about the benefits of uh, various riders in the policy like the COLA, etc., etc. Can someone work in another occupation if they have an own occupation rider? What do you think about that?
2: This is a very good question, it's a very relevant question because it comes up so routinely. People think that if they have an own occupation rider that that means that they can go work in another occupation and still receive their benefit. It's not always the case. Just because the definition is limited to you proving you cannot perform the duties of your own occupation does not necessarily mean that you can go work in another occupation and continue to receive your benefits. There were policies years and years ago that would provide exactly for that. But there are many more policies these days that may provide where the definition is for the own occupation phase or for total disability. It would say that you cannot perform the duties of your own occupation and you are not working in another gainful occupation. So it's a bit counterintuitive when you think about it, right? Because you buy an own occupation policy so that you think that if I cannot do this job or this occupation, I will have the protection of the benefit if further down the line I do want to do something else. But that seems to have changed. It really comes down to the wording of your policy. Of course it does. So we would want to review what the policy says. But I see more and more policies these days that would limit your ability to work in another occupation if you're disabled from your own occupation, which you know, as I say, sometimes it's counterintuitive, but that's, we really do want to look at what the winning of the policy is.
1: Again, we're talking about individual policies here. Um, LTD benefits from them, taxable if I have an individual policy, or do I get underneath that, uh, do I get underneath the wire, I guess you could say, right?
2: Okay, so we get asked this question a lot when people have a group policy, right? Is my benefit taxable, is it not? If the employer pays or contributes to the premium, in other words, the premium that is paid monthly in order to have that coverage, that likely will make the benefit itself taxable. But in an individual policy where you are paying for that premium because you're paying for it yourself, that makes it non-taxable. Now, it would be different if you're doing it through a corporation, it, it really depends on what you're doing before tax dollars or after tax dollars, but I suppose the way to, exp- to explain it very clearly is if you're using after tax dollars to pay for it, um, then it likely will make the benefit non-taxable, the LTD benefit that you receive at the end.
1: What do I do then, uh, Martin, if my LTD benefit is denied when I have that individual policy?
2: As with any other claim, uh, you have options. Some people who are unionized because of the collective agreement may not be able to pursue a legal claim against the insurance company because their claims may be paid by a different entity like a trust. But with an individual policy where the insurance company underwrites the benefit, you do have various options. The one of course is to consider an appeal which would mean you're appealing to the same entity that denied your claim from the outset, so I'm not sure how independent such an appeal would be. Obviously it's the same entity. Um, the other option is that you can pursue a legal claim which would put the insurance company at risk. It gives you leverage to negotiate. So. Uh, legal claims gives you power right to be in a driving seat to some degree because now it is even if the insurance company still disagrees with you they have to engage with you you have some leverage so if your claim is denied with an individual policy you have the same options so if you are denied I would highly strongly suggest that you reach out to a disability lawyer which of course is what we are and which is what we do throughout Canada other than in Quebec and their territories We review cases um, with with clients, we look at the policies and with respect to an individual policy I I think it is really important to have at least a consult for somebody to review your circumstances because sometimes it's more complicated. The person may be working to some degree, it depends on what their pre-disability income was to establish whether their ongoing capacity will influence the LTD benefit amount itself We want to know what the definition is. Like I just discussed before, Mm -hmm. own occupation riders don't necessarily mean that you can work in another occupation. So we want to look at the exact circumstances and review that policy with you so that you understand what your rights are and, more importantly, what your options are to move forward once your claim is denied.
1: Move on to the emails, guys. Anytime you want to send one along, we'd love to have you contribute to the show, help at Disability Rights. Ca Martin, if I return to uh, we've, we've covered this topic before. I love it. it's a good one. If I return to work and find that I cannot manage, can I go off work again and then have that claim reopened?
2: It's a good question, but it's a very general question. So there are two ways, a few ways to respond to this question. It depends on did you go off work during the short term disability period or did you go off work during the long term disability period? Most policies will have something called a recurrence clause. If it's during the long term, it may be that the recurrence clause is six months. So if you did go back to work and you worked for longer than six months, then the insurance company may deem it to be a new claim. So you can go off work again, but they may say to you, this is a new claim, you have to apply from scratch, you have to qualify during the elimination period, and then we're going to reassess your claim to see, from scratch really, we're going to assess your claim if it is a qualified claim based on the LTD policy if it is during the short-term phase the elimination or the recurrence period if there is one may be much shorter so it depends on a few things the language of the policy when it is that you go off work if it is during short-term or long-term and how long is it that you have gone off work right or that you've been working It also depends on where did you go back to work? Are you in the own occupation phase or are you in the any occupation phase? Some policies may require that or provide that the recurrence period provides that you have to go back to your own employer for that policy to be recurring again or for that claim to be recurring again. My advice to anybody who goes through this because lots of people obviously go off work and then try to go back to work at a certain period of time. If you are doing that, if you've started a graduated return to work, make sure that you see your doctor during this period on a very regular basis, especially during this period. Because if you find that you are unable to manage your duties once you've returned to work or if you're trying to increase your hours and you find that your condition is worsening, it is absolutely paramount that you make sure that you see your doctor during this phase on a very regular basis so that your doctor can, if you do find that you have to go off work again, your doctor can give an informed opinion and support to you and of course give the opinion to the insurance company why it is that you cannot carry on with the graduated return to work or the return to work. Because if you saw the doctor during that period of time, the doctor will have seen if there had been a worsening or an exacerbation of the condition that you had before and the doctor may then say to you look it's great that you tried it's admirable but clearly it was too early and you're not in a position to carry on and then you want your doctor's support because insurance companies during these this phase if somebody does try and graduate return to work and they fail insurers don't like that right so they the point of a graduate return to work in their minds is to get the person to get back to work so that they don't have to continue to pay them and of course there's nothing wrong with that that the person tries to go back to go to work and see how that goes but if they fail i've seen many cases that are denied after that because insurance companies say no we disagree even though you felt we still believe that you can carry on working your condition is not such that it's so severe that you cannot maintain your duties and again to anybody listening if you're going through this make sure you see your doctor very regularly and if you do get denied because of that get back to us and we can also tell you look is this going to be a new claim or is it a recurrence claim how should you approach it
1: a lot of information for a short question hope you enjoyed that answer again if it's not fully uh, completely answered for you just call martin and his team right one eight five five Eight two one fifty nine hundred. Next email. Let's see if we get through this sucker. It says uh, Martin. Good day. I am writing to you as I was watching the show on TV yesterday. Regarding LTD, when is due to my mental distress? My LTD just started this month, and the insurance advisor contacted me saying I would be cut off right after some sessions with the occupational therapist. They got me uh, to get back uh, to work in eight weeks. Tops, that's Tops, the first session with the OT last week. She made an assessment to my level of anxiety and depression, and she said I scored pretty high. The same assessment was done with my family daughter, same result. The scores were high. I do feel more anxiety as these days go by, and I'm not sure... If they have the right to force me back to work on a given date. Also, my husband wants to decrease my stress level um, uh, of depression and anxiety. And he wants to take me to a flight to another country for a week to change my scenery and see if that helps. I'm not sure if I can even if I'm allowed to do so as the insurance wants me to cut me off or wants to cut me off. And this can be a reason for them to do it. Please, could you advise me on this situation? Wow, there you go. Okay,
2: so quite a lot there. Uh, first things first, go back to my f- response to the previous question because this is exactly what's happening. The insurance company has agreed, from what I can see, to provide eight weeks of treatment where there's an expectation that this person is going to go back to work. How they've decided that. Who knows? I mean, how can you decide that when somebody is disabled now that by the end of the eight weeks they will no longer be disabled? You don't know that. You don't know what their position is going to be, whether they will have an improvement or an exacerbation or that things may just remain the same. But that's me going on a rant because I see this so often and it just is so irritating because you don't know. Yes, there's the hope, but if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So can they force you to go back to work? No, they cannot. If you go through the process of seeing the occupational therapist, you do your various sessions and if your position is or if your condition has not improved to the extent that you could try to go back to work, again, make sure that you see your doctor on a regular basis and at the end of the sessions, if that is the case, you have your doctor support why it is that you cannot return to work. And if they deny you on that basis, same advice as to everybody else, contact us so we can discuss with your options with you. Secondly. Can you fly outside of the country because your husband feels that change of scenery will be helpful? Some policies provide that you cannot travel outside of the country otherwise your LTD benefit entitlement will be jeopardized. Some may provide that you cannot travel for more than 30 days without the insurance company's consent. So, We want to see what does this policy provide? Does it provide that you cannot leave the country? Or does it provide that you cannot leave the country for more than a certain period of time? On top of that, if you're dealing with a mental health disorder, and we, I see that there, we're speaking about anxiety and depression, quite often doctors, treating doctors would say, maybe go see some family if you don't have any family here, or maybe travel to a warmer climate if it is rainy and gloomy where you are in the winter time, because that would be deemed to be recommended treatment. But if none of those things are in place, the insurance company may say, well, we're looking at your restrictions and limitations. You may say, I have poor focus, poor concentration, social isolation, I cannot deal with people, and then they see you going on holiday for a week, traveling to a different country. They may be interested in what you did there. may want to see the photos that you took, things like that. Because to them, mental health disorders are based on self-report as well. And it may be that, and it, you know, the impression of it, which is not the reality of it, but the impression of it is, if you are able to do these things, why can you not work? Which, of course, is not how you should consider a claim. It's not how a claim should be adjudicated. So if your husband does want to do this, Make sure that you discuss it with your doctor and have your doctor sign off on it, and also make sure that the policy doesn't prevent you from traveling. So we would want to see what that policy says. And if they do deny you based on either you traveled or that at the end of the time, at the end of the eight weeks, you finish the treatment and you're still unable to work, but they say that you can, reach out to us because in my mind, just listening to these facts, there will be a claim to be pursued.
1: That is a heck of an answer. We hope that helped. If not, you can always follow up with a phone call. Advise to do that uh, sometimes anyway. Really get some more information from Martin, one 821 5900 And that email address, which we're going to return to here momentarily, help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show.
0: You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.
1: We're back. You're back. Disability Law Show. Good to have you along for the ride. John Scholes here and from Sanfiru to Mark and LLP, Martin Willems is doing all the answering of the questions because he's a lawyer. He's got the brains and you can always reach out to Martin after the show. One, eight, five, five, eight, two, one. 5900, maybe a simple question, maybe something more in depth. If you're dealing with a uh, disability insurer, maybe you've been cut off or threatened to be cut off, been asked to appeal, all those things. Don't make your next move till you make that phone call. 1 855 821 5900, help at disability That is the email address. Okay, Martin, moving on. Next email, we got a pile. It says, Guys, uh, currently off work for an injury that is not healing quickly and may possibly become a permanent condition. I'm approaching the end of my disability period. And they have told me I should apply for long-term disability with the employer's insurance company. My question is, I'm 57 years old and employed at this company for two years. I'm retired from a previous company and do not collect a regular pension in addition to my pay from my current employer. Part of the long-term disability process is that I have to go on EI sickness for six months, then onto the insurance company's LTD plan being that i collect a regular pension will i still be able to collect sickness from ei then disability payment from the insurance company or does collecting the income completely disqualify me what do you think pal
2: okay so what i'm getting from this is this person is is collecting a regular pension from a previous employer then started with this new employer and when they say that they're the end of their disability period i take it that they've went through some qualifying period before they can now apply for ltd Um, Being that I collect a regular pension, will I still be able to collect sickness from EI, then disability payments? I'm not sure about the sickness from EI. I don't know whether the regular pension will be an issue there. Um, With respect to the LTD, and just to be clear, EI sickness I don't think is payable for six months. When you speak about the six-month period, it likely is the elimination period or the qualifying period before you can get to LTD. And that's where we are at now from what I'm hearing. So the person wants to apply for long-term disability and is um, I suppose concerned whether they can do so or whether the regular pension that they're receiving from the previous employer will prevent them from applying for LTD. Goes back to the wording of the policy. So what we're speaking about here is offsets. Each policy will have provisions for offsets so we're speaking about group policy so there are there are things called direct offsets and there are things called indirect offsets direct offsets are for example CPP disability or work safe benefits indirect offsets may be pension that you get from somewhere else if it is a disability pension or you know maybe some work safe benefits from a previous injury it really depends um, will the mere fact of the collection of the retirement pension from the previous employer stop you? No, it should not. You have coverage through your current employer to apply for LTD, you should do so, because you don't want to miss the notice and um, proof of claim provisions. Each policy has certain deadlines within which you have to apply. So do apply, and then the insurance company will, I suppose, ask you whether you have sources of other income and then based on the wording of the policy may or may not adjust your benefit but if you do have the policy reach out to us and we can review it with you because not all policies provide that regular pensions from other employers will be an offset not many of well i'm not I don't want to say not many of them do but i know that there are some that do not provide for that so we'd want to look at what the exact wording is um, but don't let that mere fact stop you from applying, and don't let anybody tell you not to apply. You should apply because you don't want to miss those um, timeline provisions.
1: Like this email, I want to get to this one next. says, Martin, I was injured on public transit back in 2018, and I filed a lawsuit, and I later went on LTD January 2020 and CPP in December of the same year. Uh, pardon me, December of 2022. I'm in the midst of an upcoming trial for the injuries that I sustained back in 2018. I'm inquiring how my personal injury lawsuit will impact my LTD, my CPP, or any settlement amounts uh, that I get. Thank you.
2: Okay. So, interesting question. Uh, it sounds like you have a personal injury lawyer and you're in the middle of a trial, so some of these questions should be directed to your personal injury lawyer. Having said that, in a general sense, when you, have, when you are receiving benefits for long-term disability through a group, Policy. There are certain times when an insurance company can say that they have the right to subrogate, which is a legal term. It means that they can recover from you benefits that they have paid if the reason that you are disabled from working is because of somebody else's negligence. So this uh, caller or this this person sent the email was injured on public transit. Yes. And then has a personal injury claim. So what they what they're claiming, from what I understand, is pain and suffering, probably loss of earnings as well, meaning wage loss because they couldn't work for a period of time. Now during this same period of time, where they're claiming the wage loss, the insurance company has been paying them benefits. So again, goes back to the wording of the policy, and this becomes much more technical and complicated because. Some policies do provide for subrogation, some do not. So if they don't, then there's an entirely different set of criteria that applies to this. But would it impact your LTD benefit or the LTD entitlement moving forward? Possibly, but it depends on were you disabled solely as a result of this incident in 2018? What settlement may you receive? Was there some contributory negligence? So there are lots of legal terms that apply. So the short answer to this is it has the potential to impact your ongoing entitlement, not entitlement, but your ongoing payment because it may be deducted from that and for them to recover what money has been paid from your settlement. But we would want to know what exactly the, um, the policy provides for. And if there's a settlement, what what it was, what you received, and was there contributory negligence, things like that. So, complicated response, I get that, but speak to us and we can review the policy with you.
1: Well, it's a it could be a complicated question too, so uh so no worries, reach out by phone if you'd like to. Thanks so much for the email 18558215900 uh, reach Martin and his crew we will get to another email or two with our remaining time after a short break help at disabilityrights.ca. We continue. This is the Disability Law
0: Show. You're listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified. Guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of chorus entertainment
1: we're back a few minutes to go the disability loss you'll thank you ahead of time if you've contributed to some emails that we read out on the show uh, today and going forward you can always send along more maybe they'll appear on a future show if that's okay with you and that would be uh help at disabilityrights.ca. the phone call if you want to uh Sidestep that and get right to Martin and his team, 1 855 821 5900, and a brand new website built for you just to make you that much smarter. It's called pocket disability lawyer.ca. Check that out. We just debuted it the other day in the TV show, pocket disability lawyer.ca. But uh, heading back to a couple more emails here, Martin. Uh, next one says, Hey guys, I uh, have to go on disability claim for work. How do I go about filing? I thought my um, employer did this, but both uh, the doctor and employer say no. I'm in hospital and have been, uh, and have been. So your help would be appreciated. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, interesting question. So if we're speaking about submitting a short-term or a long-term disability claim, how do you go about filing? Your employer should give you the forms, right? So you should reach out to your human resources, and they should give you the form. Uh, if the doctor says Um, I'm not sure what the doctor is telling you, but that's how it would work. Get the forms. So there are three forms to complete. The first one is the employee statement, which is something that you complete. The other one is called an attending physician statement, which is something the doctor completes. And the third one is called a plan sponsor statement, which is something that the employer completes. So to some degree you're correct. The employer has to submit a... A statement which is a form they have to complete but at your end you have to contact the insurance company by submitting the employee statement and have your doctor complete the attending physician statement that's generally the, those would generally be the forms that you get through if you have to file a claim for long-term disability probably the same type of thing with um, short-term if there is a work safe component to this then I think your employer probably should also be the one um, reporting it to work safe But in general, contact the uh, Human Resources Department. Make sure that they give you the forms and submit those forms. I understand that you're in hospital and it probably is difficult for you to do so, but hopefully you have somebody who can assist you with that because, again, you don't want to miss those timelines. The notice of claim generally is 30 days. Proof of claim may be 90 days if we're speaking about long-term disability, which we may not be because you're in hospital. So maybe it's short-term. Maybe it's self-funded by the employer, but if it's been adjudicated by... An insurance company, they are timelines and you don't want to miss them. So be on the employer to give you those forms and get them in.
1: Yeah, get a family member or colleague if you can to start uh, getting that ball rolling for sure. Let's get to a, another email here. It says, hey, guys, can you please refer me to someone who is just like you but in Alberta? My friend in B.C. here recommended your firm if I'm ever in B.C. on disability. But I'm in Alberta, and my friend is wondering if you might know someone in Alberta who does what you do because apparently you helped someone she knew. You guys are very good. I was on disability, and my claim ran out February of this year, so I uh, have had no income since that time. Can you help me?
2: okay (laughs) that's I I like hearing that Um, that uh, the friend had a good experience with us we do represent clients in Alberta so you've come to the right place Uh, we also represent clients as you know in BC and in Ontario and other places in Canada other than Quebec and the territories so another response to this is your claim Ran out. I'm not sure what that means. If it means that the claim was denied in February 2023, or that you turned 65 and there was no more payment, there were no more payments to be made. But do reach out to us. We do handle cases in Alberta, and I would want to know why the claim was, if it was denied. We're just using different terminology here. If it was denied, we can ex- examine that further, discuss it with you, and discuss your options, like with everything else. There are timelines, and to every, anybody else listening out there, if you have had a denial, like in this case, say it is a denial and it happened in February 2023, and you don't know what to do and you haven't done anything about it, or if you know somebody in your life, family member or a colleague, who have had a denial and haven't done anything about it, there's something called a limitation period, which is the timeline within which you must pursue a legal claim if your claim remains unpaid and if you do have a valid claim. So in order to know whether you have a valid claim, you can contact us and we can review it with you, but that timeline is crucial. It depends on which province you are in, but in BC and Alberta, it generally would be two years from the date that they denied your claim, or it may be two years from the date that the next payment would have had to be made had you been paid benefits. It's a difficult thing to navigate to figure out what the triggering event is for that two-year timeline to begin to run. So if you have been denied, We also discuss these things with people to advise them what their options are and what the timelines would be within which they must take action. And a limitation period is a very, very important thing. You do not want to miss it because it's very possible that if you miss it, you likely won't have a claim to pursue. Having said that, I have represented clients who have missed that two-year timeline, depending on the circumstances of their specific um, case.
1: Let's see if we can... Let's see if we can squeeze a uh, short, uh, short one in here. Martin says, "This guy's been on LTD for nine months and should be back at work October. I would like to sell an investment property due to rising interest rates. How will the income from the sale of my uh, effect of, of the sale rather affect my LTD, or does it not affect it at all? If it does affect it, should I wait to sell once back to work, or wait until the next tax year? What do you think, Martin?"
2: Okay, remember what I spoke about a few minutes ago um, with respect to offsets selling an investment property due to rising rates while on long-term disability is that sale if it's going to provide you with some profit that's what this really means is will that profit affect your entitlement to long-term disability benefits as with everything i will say it depends on the wording of the policy when we discuss what are offsets um, direct offsets or indirect offsets but with Direct offsets. This is not going to be an offset. With indirect offsets, I do want to caveat this. With I would want to see what the wording of the policy is, but I do not see this as an offset either, considering that offsets generally are geared towards employment income. So CPP, you've made contributions. Worksafe, you've made contributions. If you were to receive severance, and that's an offset. It's all related to your efforts, your income, like pension, etc. Um, selling an asset in order to get money to assist you um, that is not employment income the same thing with somebody receiving an inheritance that's not employment income so I do not believe that that should be deemed to be an offset I don't think it should affect your entitlement to LTD benefits but to be safe let's have a look at what that policy says
1: All right, Martin, good stuff for another show, brother. You answer a lot of questions, no problem. That's why we keep getting a ton every week as we go forward here. What we didn't get to this week, we'll try to roll those emails into our uh, our next show. But in the meantime, you can always uh, reach out by phone to Martin and his team. always love to take your call and answer your questions, 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. That email address we go to is help at disabilityrights.ca. And for any other questions you can ask uh, freely, and anonymously. In fact, it's got a searchable database, so maybe your question has popped up previously. You can just read the answer. If not, leave it there. That's called MyDisabilityQuestions.com, and we will catch you back here on the next edition of the Disability Law Show.
0: The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.